drugstores and pharmaceutical companies are reporting something highly irregular, a shortage of laxatives, according to the Wall Street Journal. Experts cite many factors driving high demand, including an aging population, inadequate fiber in Americans' diets, and a surge of people taking laxatives for weight loss. This is Pulse Check. I'm Alice Miranda Olstein. HHS's Office for Civil Rights on Thursday proposed updating a 50-year-old law that prevents disability-based discrimination in federally funded programs. The rewrite would ban doctors from prioritizing non-disabled people when rationing treatments, ensure medical websites and apps are accessible for the deaf and blind, and require doctors to have tables, exam rooms, and equipment that accommodate people who use wheelchairs. Congress has just a few weeks before PEPFAR, the landmark global HIV-AIDS program, expires. Senate Foreign Relations Committee Chair Bob Menendez told reporters this week that he's pitching Republicans on a compromise, a three-year reauthorization rather than the standard five. GOP lawmakers and outside groups have opposed any reauthorization and want year-to-year funding until Trump-era anti-abortion restrictions are reimposed. And... Medical debt has become a bipartisan issue that state lawmakers across the U.S. are now addressing through new consumer protections to help lessen or delay medical debt for residents. Politico Deputy Healthcare Editor Dan Goldberg explains. Thanks so much for having me. So your new story looks at the growing problem of medical debt in this country. Why is medical debt getting so out of control, even as more and more people have insurance coverage? And how much are we even talking about? That's a great question, Alice. We don't actually know how much medical debt is in the United States because it can take so many various forms. There's the medical debt that shows up on credit reports. There's the people who borrow money from their friends and family. There's people who take out a second mortgage or get on some kind of hospital payment plan or put their medical bill on their credit card. So it's very hard to sort of calculate how much medical debt actually exists in the United States. KFF did a survey and used some data to crunch the numbers and came up with an estimate of $195 billion spread out over 100 million Americans. So the problem is pervasive. And like you pointed out, it is growing. There are a lot of reasons for that. One of the primary ones is high deductible health plans and the cost of healthcare. So more and more Americans are getting into insurance plans where they have huge deductibles, or I shouldn't say huge so much as the deductibles that they can't cover when there's a medical emergency. I'm sure our listeners have seen studies or reports that say, you know, the average American can't afford a $400 or $1,000, whatever the number is that they put out in these surveys, medical bill or emergency. That's usually the cause of medical debt. And when, as insurance, Insurance coverage, even though the the uninsured rate is low, the coverage isn't always as robust as it may have been years ago. And that's what's putting or what's in part driving Americans into medical debt. So what are states trying to do about this? It sounds like a lot of different attempts to get at this problem. Yeah, that's right. And that's one of the things I looked at in the story. States are sort of going after this in a bunch of different ways. A lot of what I think would fall under the umbrella of transparency and forcing hospitals to screen people 
for financial assistance before pursuing them in collections or going after their debt. So for example, in June, Colorado became the first state to enact a law prohibiting consumer reporting agencies from including medical debt and credit reports. And that's super important for people because credit reports are what you use to buy a house, buy a car. And what a lot of people were finding is that they would get trapped in this medical debt and have that show up on their credit report. And then they couldn't take out a loan for their small business. They couldn't get a mortgage on their house. It would affect their whole life. New York is right behind Colorado. Another example is Oregon has a law that limits the interest that can be charged on medical debt, because that's another thing that lawmakers and advocates who deal with this issue had seen a lot of is incredibly high interest charges. We're seeing a lot of things like that. And also states are passing rules and laws requiring hospitals to be transparent about how medical debt works and the financial assistance programs they have so that a patient is a aware that if they have a low income or can't afford the bill, they are eligible to apply for assistance. And hospitals in many cases are prohibited from moving a debt into collections before that application is screened. And something that didn't make it into your story, but you looked into is what DC is doing, sort of a novel attempt at tackling this problem. They are trying to buy up and forgive tens of millions of dollars of medical debt for residents. How would that even work? And would other places copy this if it does work? One of the things that is interesting about medical debt is hospitals often give up collecting it because it's a hassle to do and that's not really the business they're in. And they will sell their debt to collection agencies, often pennies on the dollar. So organizations like RIP Medical Debt have discovered that if they raise money, let's say they raise $100, they can buy off $10,000 worth of medical debt. And you've seen stories about nonprofits and charities doing that. Famously, a church did that once and paid off the town's medical debt. So more and more of what we're seeing is municipalities doing that. You mentioned D.C. The mayor, I think it was in March, announced that the district will cancel up to $90 million in medical debt with $900,000 that was part of the year-end surplus from the 2023 budget. And yeah, it's something that's actually catching on all over the place. A lot of municipalities are using ARPA funds, which is the American Rescue Plan Act money that was passed early in the Biden administration. So Cook County, Illinois, Toledo, Ohio, New Orleans, Pittsburgh, they've all used American Rescue Plan money to wipe out, I think the last time I checked, was over a billion dollars in medical debt. And New Jersey and Connecticut, both in their most recent state budgets, also used millions of dollars from ARPA, which is the American Rescue Plan, to eliminate medical debt. They haven't designated how it'll be implemented. I think between the two states, it's almost $17 million. So you can imagine how much debt that'll be able to buy off when you're talking about buying something for pennies on the dollar. It seems like most of it is aimed at helping people who are already under a bunch of medical debt rather than preventing new people from acquiring medical debt. Is that your sense? Yeah, that's right. Most of this is aimed at the forestalling or mitigating some of the negative effects of medical debt. You know, and hospitals will point out that if there were stricter rules about what insurance has to cover or limitations on high deductible health plans, you might see less medical debt to begin with. Of course, the insurance companies would say, well, it's the cost of healthcare and the ever rising cost of medications and procedures that's driving it. That's something that we don't really have a consensus yet on how to fix among state or federal lawmakers. So what they are doing is trying to make it more tenable for people who have medical debt. 
And so what are you watching now at either the state or federal level that is yet to come on this? I'm watching two things. There's a fight in North Carolina right now on legislation that would cap interest on medical debt collections and prohibit debt collectors from foreclosing on people's property, you know, their houses and garnishing wages and things like that. The reason I find that interesting is that bill passed unanimously in the state Senate. It is stalled in the House. There's a fight in North Carolina over the budget. It's sort of stalling all legislation. I find that so interesting because... North Carolina has a Democratic governor, but this legislature, it is a veto-proof Republican majority in the legislature. And many of the actions we've seen have been in blue or purple slash blue states. So even though North Carolina is not what you'd call a deep red state, a deep red Republican legislature enacts these kinds of protections. It would kind of be an interesting signal about how this is becoming even more bipartisan. But I'm also interested in Pennsylvania because they have a bill there that would authorize state funds to be used to purchase medical debt. And this is sort of like what we spoke about earlier with the American Rescue Plan, except this would, in theory, be recurring. There's no amount attached to this. It would have to be promulgated through the administration. But it would be sort of a first attempt to have an ongoing effort and not just use federal dollars that are passed through the state. So that legislation passed the House with bipartisan support. And I think it's currently stalled in budget negotiations again there in the state Senate. That's another one I'm watching. Well, thank you so much for coming on and telling us about this very important issue. And I hope to have you back. Thank you so much for having me. And that's our show. Our music is by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Afra Abdullah is our producer. Annie Reese and Alex Keeney are our senior producers. Our healthcare team editors are Eli Reyes, Dan Goldberg, Barbara Van Tyne, Beth Belton, and Sean Zeller. I'm Alice Miranda Olstein. Subscribe and follow Pulse Check for a new episode every day. And subscribe to our newsletters where you can read this reporting. Pulse, Future Pulse, and Prescription Pulse. Thanks for listening.